are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Adam Pacitti from Coltaholic.com, and here are your 10 favorite vague train-related gimmicks. Right on the Hoover Mannequin. The British Bulldog is part of the new generation. You may all bow before D. Mabel. Here it comes, here it comes, the Jackknife. On lives the new generation and the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Review as the other Cultaholic lads. Have one eye on the Olympics and the other eye on Monday Night Wrestling. We're here via the Ica Pro Power DeLorean playing the Olympic event of running away from a wrestling company. And who be we? Ivy Fake Geordie, radio presenter with that portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. Alongside the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of Cultaholic does not need a pencil. If you gave him one, he'd throw it like a javelin at the Olympics because he gets it right every time. He's Justin Henry and he is off of America. I'll tell you what event I gained new appreciation for from just watching it over the weekend. Is it dressage? Water, water polo. Ooh. Yeah, there's been loads of fun stuff like that. I missed the water polo. Who won? Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. won both their matches versus Japan, both men's and women's. Nice. It was um, – I, I appreciate because you can't touch the bottom of the pole at any time. It's just pure back and forth, back and forth, just fighting for that one shot. And it's just the stamina, the patience, the aggression you need to win at that. And that's a hell of a sport. I like how there's lots of different – sports this time round. Skateboarding's made a comeback and everybody has seen now that clip of the man getting his his, his pecker destroyed in the skateboarding. And having his taters mashed. <laughs> it's it was uh if, if there was an Abotchamania Olympics, that would be the the, the, the first video that we would see. Uh, it's been fun though. I've actually like it's a weird dynamic. A lot of people have said how weird it is to watch the the Olympics without fans there, but I think as wrestling fans, we're kind of we're kind of callous to it a bit now, aren't we? I think most sports fans should already be used to that. Basketball, football, baseball, whatever the past year, 
We're getting used to it. But it's still been a good, a good fun break from the rest of the world and all the things going on in it. As is a trip back to 1995. Oh, the... oh, oh, this is fun. <laughs> well, it's certainly distracting. It's a, it's a weapon of mass distraction, is the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. And we are back in the... We're now in the summer of the new generation era of the WWF. It was its lowest performing year in history. It wasn't a great time to be uh, in the back office of WWF, but uh, some fun stories to come from it. Justin Henry is going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw in a moment. Where and when are we for this week, Justin? Well, we have a live two-piece taping here. It is Monday, August 14th, 1995. We're at the auditorium in Worcester, Mass. Worcester. Worcester. Worcester, as you call it over there. It's Worcester over here, but Worcester over there. But the important thing is it's a hell of a steak sauce. I'd like to, I'd also, and don't think it didn't go unnoticed, you sucker. Thank you for pronouncing Worcestershire right. Mm. Well, we're good for some things. We we are, but you you especially, you write that word down in front of people and it confuses a lot of people. So thank you for getting Worcestershire right. I appreciate it. I I do enjoy some... Some Worcester Shire. Oh, you Bellend. You Bellend. <laughs> I I was um I did a Twitch stream and I mentioned Worcestershire sauce and somebody in the thing wrote it phonetically saying, actually, it's Worcestershire. And I was like, Are you gonna tell somebody who lived down the road from Liam Perrins how to pronounce Worcestershire? Are you really? Are we really playing that game on Twitch today? We Why insulting Roy Shire's brother Worcester? Boy, <laughs> you <laughs> you leave Yo, my, San Francisco too. You leave my family and my daughter out of this. Uh, so we're brand spanking new tapings. With that comes a special energy. I'm looking forward to delving into this. But you know what? Justin, there has already been action before the first bell has sounded at these tapings, right? Because this is the tapings where Lex Luger has walked into Vince McMahon's office and gone, I'm done, lads. See you later. Luger's handed his notice in. Handed this notice in, but well, perhaps Vince didn't take him so seriously here. We we're going to see. From the Observer, Luger at the taping gave notice. Adam Bomb also gave notice at the taping. Boo. Apparently, he's been disappointed with his push and what he feels are unfulfilled promises. Me too, Adam. Me too. Don't know the situation with Luger, but Bomb was told on Monday to talk to Vince McMahon on Tuesday and try and get everything resolved. Last week, Sting made a play in the WCW offices to try and get Luger a job and was successful enough that they were at least strongly considering it. Supposedly with a caveat that Luger come in as a heel and immediately put over Hulk Hogan clean. Well, there is a war story on the matter. It was the very first war story, in fact. Mm -hmm. You have discussed this at length. I may plug the fine job that Sand Driver did narrating that. It's a beautiful job all round. Edited, beautifully written, wonderfully voiced. Uh, war stories. Was this season one, episode one, if memory serves? Yes, this was this was patient zero here. And uh, of the of the war stories um brigade. The the show in question that Luger wandered onto in that episode of War Stories was WCW Monday Night Nitro. And I have some Nitro news for you this week as well. Dave says, after weeks of what appeared to be fruitless negotiations to bring in some of the top workers in the world for the premiere of the Nitro show, WCW appears to have reached agreements with Chris Benoit, Sabu, Dean Malenko, and are expected to reach an agreement this week with Eddie Guerrero, all of whom should be debuting in September or October. 
four for four. Got all of them. Got them all. And they also, they also talk about in the Observer uh, a a beautiful New Japan relationship being furthered with Monday Night Nitro, which will see Jushin Liger scheduled for the first ever episode of Nitro. Correct. Oh, do you know what? This is for a wrestling fan reading this at the time, seeing like what Monday Night Raw was about, and then reading Nitro coming soon, Malenko, Benoit, Sabu, Liger. This must have been really exciting. It, it kind of was, but as an ECW fan, when I watch it, a, a Guerrero and Malenko's final match a few weeks after this, and, and Jimmy Stiles telling the crowd that this was her last night in the, in the company and the crowd chanting Bischoff sucks. Well, first of all, I was kind of confused because I didn't know Bischoff was was that high of an executive. Like, I thought he was just an announcer with uh, with with nice hair with and dimples. Steps. But <laughs> turns out he was a vice president of the company, and he made the play to bring them all in. And uh, and a play he did. And this is this this first show at the Mall of America on September the fourth is looking like it could very well be the start of something magical. They held a press conference ahead of this. Uh, on the on this very day, on the day of this episode of Raw, there was a press conference held by WCW at the Harley Davidson Cafe in New York. This is where the WrestleMania press conference was held. Just to right. really put the boot in. <laughs> it was at this press conference it was announced that Steve McMichael is going to be making his uh, debut on the broadcast table for Dub C Dub. So you realize that this is the second time <laughs> in, in 1995 that this building has had a press conference for a wrestling endeavor that has involved an NFL defensive star from the 1980s. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. That is my new favorite statistic. I'm just sad that Mongo wasn't hyped for the main event against Hogan. I'm just saying we missed the boat on so many prospects, Adam Barb is, and, and our boy Mongo being two of them. Is Mongo going to attack Hogan like a pack of wild dogs? <laughs> and he's going to have him some fun. <laughs> I mean, he had Pepe. <laughs> I'm gonna take it like like wild Pepe, <laughs> and I'm gonna have me some. Release the hounds as Jericho sends out his tiny dogs after 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 a drone. <laughs> I have a question for you, Justin Henry from Off of America. Yes, sir. Um, at the moment in the wrestling world, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> very hotly, uh, hotly contest, very hotly. Uh, rumored to be part of all elite wrestling very very soon people making mm-hmm. uh, uh comparisons to this particular era in wrestling uh how does how does it how do you feel about that when people make the comparisons of like brian and punk joining aew with with the sort of movement that went on in wcw during what would become its biggest year i don't think it's too far off because i follow the uh i follow what goes on on squared circle reddit frequently and uh like every other post is, what if, what if Punk was booked this way? What if Brian did that? Like, you've captured the imagination, and when you capture the imagination like that, then it's a sign you're doing something right, or at the very least, intriguing. And to me, this is the first time in a long time that we've had this kind of, especially in this sort of one-two punch. Maybe since the Radicals jump ship, maybe since the well, actually probably since the invasion took place in one when everyone's imagination ran rampant and they did nothing with it. It certainly does feel like that kind of it's it, it you don't get that feeling of true invasion 
Um, despite the fact that, you know, the Forbidden Door's been flying back and forth in AEW, this truly feels like some kind of invasion type thing. Expecting CM Punk to walk out and go, so this is, this is the cult of personality. Look at the adjective, cult. We're expecting <laughs> it any minute now to be a thing. But it's interesting that, you know, you can, you can draw comparisons between the two. Um, I'm just hoping, hoping they put him back with Gallows and Serena and reform the Friday Society. Oh, you could! Do it, you cowards! Do it, you Serena, cowards! Serena, we need you to shave your head again. <laughs> yeah, just... we need you to regrow your hair and then shave it again. I've <laughs> only just grown it back. <laughs> oh, um, one more bit of news. It's quite light on the wrestling news, but I'll have a few other notes as we go through the show today. Um, Lord Alfred Hayes was at WCW headquarters trying to get a job this week. Oh, how, how did they pass on him? How did you pass on Lord Alfred Hayes? They brought in the Yeti, but when hired Lord Alfred Hayes. This is it. Like their, their standards are relatively low. They could have well, brought in Alfred Hayes. He could have been the Yeti. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Hogan. Is it, it's a little moment that goes, my word. <laughs> Alfred Hayes could have been the Taskmaster. No, you could have been the Yeti. I insist. <laughs> John! <laughs> Thanks, John. Love you, John. Uh, let, us <laughs> let us go over to Justin Henry. He is going to guide us through quite a historical, in some places, episode of Monday Night Raw. Go for it, Justin. Well, near as I can tell, there are no eloquent mummies on this show. <laughs> oh, shame. Oh, we start off with a Sean promo video because tonight he's facing Jerry Lawler. We, we had some hype in, uh, <laughs> some hype in overdrive here mm. from Vince doing the voiceover. Vince wants Sean to be the biggest thing in the world, and you could tell from the just the rasp in his voice. But Vince has to build drama also because, see, last week Mabel posted Michaels by running him back first into, into the ring, into the steel ring post. And Vince is acting like th that this could be a career-ending thing for Sean. This, this, uh, with Sean, you have not seen a career-ending injury yet. He'll come up with several, don't worry. Vince really tends to lay it on thick, doesn't he, for the people he's trying to get over. And I don't, oh, honestly yeah. don't know a lot of the time if you need to. It does wreak a desperation sometimes. It does. Like it's, 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 he's, he's beating you over the head with the plot. I think it was Scott Keith used to say the sledgehammer of plot. He, he, they, would, he would do it forever. Oh, sorry, go on. I interrupted you. That's a good, just hammering at home is my point, but go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, because like, you, you even have something simple, like, like here's two examples in the future times of uh, Rock versus Hogan, which is fine. You just go, Rock versus Hogan. There's the thing. No, no, no. You have to have Hogan hit the Rock with a truck. Like, you had Brett versus Vince. Fine. There's a story there for WrestleMania. No, you have to have Brett get hit with a car. Like you don't need those extra bits. You know, you. It's like, it's like, it's like putting a, it's like putting a spoonful of sugar into 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 Coke. You know, you've already, it's already sweet enough. You don't need any more. You don't want to snort sugar. That'll burn. Exactly. Look what happened to Al Capone. Al Pacino. Well, sorry. I mean, I'm sure Al Capone <laughs> did it too. I'm the. They had Coke and Capone today, but I don't know, who knows? Did you just say Coca Capone? <laughs> yes. At, at the, the Coca. Coca, Coca Cabona. 
the hottest house by north of Chicago. <laughs> anyway. To a point about that, it feels like WWF has to do something every single week for the storylines that they truly care about. You notice with AEW, like, going back, Christ, eight months, Sammy Guevara and MJF have hated each other. And and they wouldn't address it every single week. There'd be other side angles. And every now and then, there'd be a new wrinkle, like, like Sammy recording MJ, MJF's BS to the... You know, his lie to the pinnacle or whatever, and... There'd be, there'd be something new coming along, but it wouldn't be every single week. And by the time you get to the match, you've hyped the match up, but you didn't have to run it into the ground every week. You let it breathe. You've drip fed it enough that people want it, and it's and it still feels fresh rather than every single week having to pile on more story, more story. And this is the beauty of having a bigger roster, that you can rest those guys. You can have them take a backseat so you can let the audience miss them. When WWE had its biggest roster, you could have done that. But instead, Mm -hmm. they just ran with the same 20-odd guys all the time. And that was the problem. I mean, right now, now, Raw has like 30 or 40 talents that you could be using every single week. But you, you get rematch, 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 rematch. While, while people like, I want to say Umberto, because I know he's been on with Sheamus, but he was absent for a while. Ricochet was absent for a while. They were just sitting and catering, as, as the modern cliche goes. I'm... And just, it's it's the same old every single week. I mean, this coming week right now for AW, we have Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. That's been building since, what, March, April? And, and that's main event. The match. And it'll be amazing. Yeah. But it's... See, like what we're watching with, with these roles, this is actually fine in a sense because they don't address everything every single week. Stuff has time to breathe. Brett and Hakushi's blow off was what four months after the feud started, mm-hmm. and they didn't run into the ground every week. That's fine. I like that. That's fine. I could live with that. I think the blessing is the fact that they're doing these blocks of taping, so they can only really tell that story so many times on a yeah. night without burning the crowd out. And you only have an hour a week. Mm, that helps as well. That that very much helps. A 43-minute episode of Raw is just beautiful. Instead of three hours of, all right, let's do Damian Priest versus John Morrison again. <laughs> it's a 26-week in a row. All right, but we'll do like a four out of seven falls match. That'll be different. <laughs> so, t- so tonight it's Sean versus Lawler. Lawler gets a little drop-in promo. Says he's going to finish what Mabel started. All right. Tonight, it's Vince and DiBiase on the call because Lawler has to work. DiBiase informs us that Sid is still mad about getting taken out of the IC title match at SummerSlam. Clearly, Sid is not an observer reader. <laughs> um, he's um, He was never great at this commentary thing, was he, Ted? Never I was referring to Sid as being uh, not an observer reader, but DiBiase was mm, he was his skills as a wrestler didn't carry over to announcing well enough, but he was fine. Mm. But I think when you get someone like a, like you know we whinge about him on the regular, but Jerry Lawler when he's on and when he's in the right place, he is very very good. Oh, he's he's definitely a better announcer than DiBiase. But I'll say this: I like Ted a lot better than the guy we're getting coming up. <laughs> I don't know who you mean, baby. You will hug DiBiase and you will tell him you love him. <laughs> Incidentally, Vince mixing it up this week. 
he threw me off guard straight away when he gave us a big welcome everybody. What? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you messing with successful? Well, you guys changed up a little bit because it's competition coming. <laughs> that's that's Vince's solution. I'll start with body instead of one. <laughs> It's a sacrifice he made. <laughs> Times are tight, man. Times are tight. Yeah, exactly. So now we come to my favorite bad squash match ever. For reasons that will soon become clear. Whale and Mercy versus Doink the Clown. I forgot Doink still worked here. I think Vince forgot that Doink still worked here. Last time we <laughs> heard about Doink, he was on some of the B-House shows. Like, they're proper <laughs> phasing him out. Well, there's no dink here. Which is a sign of the times that the act is coming to an end. Mm. Vince tells us that Doink is Anna Nicole Smith's favorite WWF superstar. Like, is Doink like filthy rich? I was going to ask you to maybe put some meat on the bone of this one because I wasn't sure what this was about. Well, this, this is the big controversy where Anna Nicole Smith's husband died. And when I say husband, I mean 80-year-old oil financier, oil tycoon. She loved him, damn it. J. Paul Getty, I think his name was. It wasn't J. Paul Getty. That was a friggin' uh, J. J. Howard Marshall, I think it was. J. Paul Getty, I'm an idiot. No, you, you're, think, you're thinking of the man that owns all the copyrighted pictures. <laughs> yes, that's a... I got my J's mixed up. It's J. Paul Howard, who... I'm looking at a photo. He looked like a, a wax statue of, of Don Rickles. <laughs> Slightly melted. Yes, it was like oh, she loved him for sure. <laughs> I will say it did lead to one of my favorite galling things I've ever seen in my life. I would never like look forward to watching the Anna Nicole Smith show on on the E Network when it was like two thousand two, three, something like that. Right. But I had a TV on one night. I was watching it. The opening credits are animated, and they depict his death. <gasps> And her weeping over his casket. No. I swear to God. Oh my God. That was a that was a slack job on my part. Like, no, they didn't. That's terrible. As much as I, in the edge lord humor as I was at that point, in my life even I'm like, no, that's too much. <laughs> they didn't do that. Jeez, that's a slap in the face if there ever was one. No. This- Oh, she was sad, but then she got his money, and then she was happy and again. She was happy. <laughs> Cock a hoop, they say. Well, so I'm thinking. So Dwight must be like uh, an 80 year old billionaire or something, which is why he's Anna Cole's favorite wrestler, or, or about to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on what happened in this match, certainly. <laughs> yeah. So Mercy comes out and gets a big pop from the uh, from the partisan Massachusetts crowd. <clears throat> There is a lot of love for Wayland Mercy, isn't it? When you just hear that, lives are going to be in Wayne Mercy's hands. You do hear a little pop, don't you? You do. And, and you know what? I think I just figured out why I love this match. This is Bray Wyatt beating up the Fiend. <laughs> I think you might. There is a there is a parallel. There is a parallel. <laughs> most certainly is. And... <clears throat> So Mercy comes out, he goes He goes for the insincere handshake. Doink won't do it. Gives him this lame take-a-hike gesture. And this is followed by, admittedly, some really crappy arm drags from Doink. Although, to be fair, Mercy can't really bump that well anymore. He's 43 and his body's failing him. Yeah, he's not in the best of condition here. But he can wrestle to hide that. 
on some occasions. He has been able to wrestle to hide how limited he is. He needs someone to bump for him. Yeah. He's getting more immobile, unfortunately. We get a funny spot where Mercy's on the apron, and Dwayne tries to fly at him. So Mercy just sidesteps, and Dwayne flies right through the ropes. <laughs> we get the bottom rope trick where Dwayne tries to crawl back in, and Mercy pulls the rope up for him and then just drops it on his back, That's which I love. So good. I've not seen <clears> him before or since, Wade and Mercy. I'll cheer that. They like him. They like him mm. more than Doink, basically. Wow. <laughs> it's at this point that I noticed that in the front row, there are a lot of people wearing WAAF t-shirts, probably for like a, they were sponsored by the radio station. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that because it is a radio station in the local area. And I, I can, I can almost imagine they did like a big giveaway on the night. Of like, mm. hey, yep. win tickets to the WWF, the hottest ticket in town. Call, be the 15th caller and say, I listen to WAAF. That was the eventual home of Opie and Anthony, and they had their own syndicated show, I think, in '96 on WAAF, and it was so bad that they would play the old bits on the air and let the staff goof on for just how bad they came off. Oh, but they still detested time, though, regardless. Well, O and A, well, the show did, the friendship, well, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mercy just keeps beating Dwink down, puts Dwink in the sleeper. You would swear that Linda just got out of the wheelchair. Based on the, the pop it's, the crowd gave for Mercy Clinton's like the sleeper hole. It's beautiful. This this is a crowd that is ready to be done with Doink the Clown, I think. More as well as ready to embrace Waylon Mercy. Did you hear what they were chanting? No. I couldn't make it out. Kill, kill the clown. Oh, that makes sense now. I thought it might be Kill being... the Clown. They're Mercy's... not having it. So Mercy's got him in the cocaine clutch here. He's, he's Samoa Merce. <laughs> he's throttling Doink. Doink, try, Doink does a great selling job here. A, a, a balling his fist up trying to fight back, but then he's just a slow fade out. He's out. Mercy wins. Crowd's happy. That was not a good match, but the spectacle was awesome. It felt like Wayla Mercy just... I, I'm, this could potentially, and this is my thought off this, was well, two really two thoughts. The crowd being very pro-Mercy, very anti-Doink, uh, put me in mind of Rock Goldberg from Backlash 03, which was, funnily enough, in Worcester, where the, where the crowd were cheering the Rock near the end and booing Goldberg. It was also the same state where Foley won his first world title. Yes, it was, wasn't it? They, they were on the right <laughs> side that night. They were cheering the right people that night, mainly. Oh, well. By the way, you know you're watching Bad New Generation, as you as you so point out here when the op- when the opposite of Mercy is Doink. <laughs> Mercy's a good thing. Show me some Mercy. No, nope. we'll, we'll give you Doink instead. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this could have potentially opened up a whole new thing for Waylon Mercy. I love the idea of him kind of becoming the the WWF's resident gimmick killer. So he goes after these outlandish g- gimmicks and just chokes them all out. <clears throat> it's like Jason Voorhees, and this is Crystal Lake. Yes, that that just that to me is very intriguing. Just go after all the outlandish characters in wrestling. Start with Doink. Mm-hmm. Lives are going to be in Jason Voorhees' hands. <laughs> They're the same ring, so you need to. Sh- 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 <laughs> 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 If you're if you're worried about losing your uh, your 
your face paint of wrestler quota here. Don't worry, because our next segment is going to build that back up. Oh, one thing we have to mention before we leave Doink and Whalen's match. Uh, throughout this match, uh, there's some conversation between Vince and Ted that is that is uh, prevalent. Oh, yes, for you're, you're, you're correct. Uh, so uh, Vince is basically Vince is plugging a match for Henry O'Godman later on, saying, "Oh, he's now in the Million Dollar Corporation, isn't he?" And Ted is very, very aggressively distancing himself from Henry O'Godwin, saying Correct. that he literally hired him to do a job, dirty job for a dirty man, just a dirty pig farmer. Like really going to town and calling him BLT breath at one point. Like really, like digging on uh, Henry O. Godwin on a live microphone on a wrestling show. Just just pop that there. Pop that yes, there. Yes, you guys can make it clear that Henry Godwin is just a mercenary, not an actual paid soldier. Mm. Or not a fully hired soldier, I guess. Which I'm quite relieved about because I genuinely thought for a while Ted had hired Henry O'Godwin for the Million Dollar Corporation. And my opinion on on Ted's choices for this this corporation that had had deep pockets was disappointing. If you're hiring a pig farmer, turned out he hadn't. He'd hired him as like a on a freelance deal <coughs> to come and do a little bit of dirty work and then bugger off again. God, DiBiase makes worse personnel decisions than like the New York Knicks. <laughs> And there, there, there's never been more, no more exciting phrase at the NBA draft than the Knicks are on the clock because <laughs> the draft's always held in New York City. They have very vocal fans, and at that point, anything could happen. And it has. Were they just like? Them, were they just like sort of impulse buy or impulse move? No, it's just, it's just poor decisions made, and the crowd there just boos the living hell out of whatever, whatever they do. It's poor Spike Lee there, it's Knicks season ticket holder. And he just kind of throws his hands here, like, "What? What are we doing?" <laughs> it's like an annual inevitability. <laughs> Although in recent years, they've actually done a little bit better draft-wise. But <laughs> if you ever want to laugh, even if you know nothing, nothing about football, go on YouTube and look up New York Jets draft blunders. There's a whole reel from like the '80s and '90s, and then making poor draft decisions, Ooh. and the crowd just like reacting like angrily. It's tremendous. Oh, the joy of being a Knicks fan, <laughs> or a Jets fan, or a Jets fan. Sorry. And that's good. It's both. It's both because I wish there was a Knicks draft blunder video out there because I, I would just kick back through my feet up and just watch it. And the, time direct, the time of director Ronaldo Balkman and the crowd's just like, what the hell do we just do? No, but the internet surely is a deep place. There must be one somewhere. There's got to be one. There's got to be. There's got to be. But why talk about sports-related misfortunes when we could discuss one of the most transcendent gimmicks of all time oh, wow. in its first physical form? This was the first ever visual vignette for Dustin Rhodes as Gold Dust. He's in front of a green screen, in front of some studio, which which has the Tiny Toons logo on the outside of it. Oh, I loved that. That completely took me out of it. Just seeing, and it kind of dates it as well, because Tiny Toon Adventures was big on TV at this point. Um, oh, yeah. Early, definitely an early 90s thing. I was one of my jams. And uh, just to see that logo as, as Gold Dust is doing his thing, it's very, it's, it's very appealing. Now, Goldust's face paint at this point was very basic. It was just, he had the gold face, just a, like a little bit of black mascara. Just a little bit, there, like, like eyeliner. Not, not a whole lot to it. He, he looks like a combination of an Oscar statue and a raccoon at this point. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was it. I'm glad you mentioned it. It's the eyeliner, because I was looking at this, uh, at this first incarnation, this, this sort of rough, this first draft of... This dress rehearsal mm -hmm. of Goldust, I was like, it doesn't quite look like Goldust, and I can't put my finger on why. And it is this—it's a very subtle 
paint on the face is it's well it's mm. all to say it's subtle it's all gold but like some black mm. eyeliner and very little else going on so it's like yeah like you say like a trophy okay well that, i think it's always supposed to resemble like an oscar statue with, with a golden outfit yeah i think that was, that was kind of the point of it but yeah then eh, not as elaborate from makeup quite yet he, he looks like, he looks like, he looks on a slew of classic Hollywood stars. It says Goldust says the legend of Goldust is different. He's doing the whispery tones, the sort of breathing at you as he says every word. And at some points you can't quite hear what he's saying. It's so low in the mix. So that was like the one downside to this. <clears throat> he does say the phrase celluloid gods and goddesses. A lot of whispering there. I was born to be a star. Oscar, step aside. I'm going to manage men on a mission. <laughs> no, he didn't say that part. <laughs> He's running to the trophy. I, w- I wish that's what he meant, though. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! 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 <laughs> As I've said for years about Goldust, this version of Goldust, he felt like a classic Batman villain. Yeah, and use ah, now, do you know what? I thought of this because I'm pretty sure you said this the other week about Goldust, about being like a Batman villain. I feel that that sparked a little thing in my brain when you said that just then. And I'm thinking, yeah, it does. There is there is something like the I do feel like he's about to rob a bank and leave like a gold calling card (laughs) for for Adam West to find. Literal gold dust he just throws into the air. He's left some gold dust behind. What could this mean, Robin? (laughs) It must be the penguin. <laughs> it must be. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Shit, Batman. <laughs> Just can't <laughs> mm. <laughs> Hit the one in the middle, Rocky. No, wrong roll. Oh, sorry. Do <laughs> 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 mm, you hear that penguin noise? It must be the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Catwoman, we meet again. <laughs> Crap, Batman. <laughs> Adam West with a head injury. <laughs> Hey, I tell you what, I didn't what well, I didn't know about this gold dust day, but immediately sizes up Diesel. Immediately goes to the main event. I had no idea that he, that his his vision of grandeur was to was to feud with Diesel. Was that looking like was that going to be a thing at some point? No, because I will say on future vignettes he name drops other people right. like Taker oh, okay. and Sean. He's just calling everybody out. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. I thought he was just going straight for Diesel. I was like, Okay, answer me this, Justin. So you were okay. watching this. You watched this uh, this raw in in situ at the time. What did you make of of, of this reboot of Dustin Rhodes? Well, it, it's funny you mention that because I was just going to say that at this point I didn't even know this was Dustin Rhodes. I All knew right. who he was. I watched him many times over the years, but I n- I never really heard Dustin talk all that much because he was more just a straightforward wrestler. So to hear him talk like this. With a wig on, I would I would have never guessed at age eleven that this was Dustin. It wasn't until friggin' October when my brother bought the PWI five hundred at at the drugstore. They found Dustin Rhodes' entry in there, and it says, says "Now playing Gold Dustin." They I'm like, "What? What?" Yeah, it was like just blew my mind. Do you want to know what Dave Meltzer thought of it? He trashed it, didn't he? Here's what Dave says in the Observer. <clears throat> Rhodes debuted doing a transvestite gimmick on the Raw show. Oh, boy. 
kind of doing a Marilyn Monroe look with lipstick, makeup, the feminine voice, etc. That's a feminine voice, apparently. That I I wonder who Dave's met. Um, <laughs> I think I think Dave went to the wrong part of town one night. Um, all the right, depending on your on your preference. Dave goes on to say, this gimmick could very conceivably be a career killer. It was well produced, but that's all about that's about all good I can say about it. Dave is right about one thing there, and just one thing only. Right. That this could have been a career killer. Yeah. That's but that. Dustin was so good in this role. And there are deficiencies. His match style does suck for a while, where he does the slow stalking and it's just this glacial pace of the matches. For, for a while, his matches aren't great, but this gimmick is so memorable, and he did such a good job with it, with what he, he had to do and what he had to be. That it, it, <clears throat> He worked for years to get out of his father's shadow, and getting out of the shadow of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, that's a tall order. So, But he became something completely unique away from the Rhodes name that, he, that he's now a legend unto himself. I know at this point, um, Dusty and Dustin were estranged. Yes. And I remember in an interview where Dusty talked about the first time he saw this and he was very concerned for his son in the wrestling industry because he thought this was a joke. He thought this was this was a Vince rib. And, and you know what? Dusty's been there because Dusty was in the WWF and they went, put him in polka dots. So Dusty, who isn't having that conversation with his son on the regular is probably seeing history repeat itself. A Rhodes family goes to the WWF and is put in a, in a, in a as Dave Meltzer calls it, conceivably career-killing gimmick. Well, and as you'll see over the months ahead, Dustin does some stuff with this character that's really questionable in his future with Razor and Piper, and and it's going to... Um, it's going to push the, the envelope, isn't it? That's the word you're looking for. It's going to push the and envelope. It's not the, and it's not the most sensitive audience to be doing it in front of no, no, it's it's a risk. It's a risk, actually. It's it's a it's a risk that WWF is taking with Absolutely. this character for you know a company that is that is struggling to to retain an audience and to retain money to put a character out there that is so gregarious and so against the grain in in an era where that that kind of persona wouldn't have been as embraced as he would now. That is a a, a bold move. By the WWF. Well, we know how this is going to end, end up going, mm. but but it, but not. But without the benefit of the time and knowing how this was going to go, I got to say this much about this vignette: Dustin did not half-ass it. Oh, he went for it, and and I I mm. adore him for it. One thing you you mm. cannot accuse uh, Dustin Rhodes of half-hearting the Goldust character. You cannot he, accuse him. He just throws himself into it constantly. He embodied the spirit of what he thought it was supposed to be. Now, later on, we'll see Dean Douglas' vignette and, 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 and the Shane Douglas' credit. It, it, it was hard to get into what they wanted him to be. But my God, that's night and day when you compare, compare characters. Mm. Dean Douglas, who, who, who the hell could possibly care? Goldust, what is this guy supposed to be? I'm intrigued. We're very sold on this character. There's just enough ambiguity here and strangeness that, you, that you're, you're spellbound by it. If you're channel surfing... In 1995, and you see that, that character, that setup, that 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 look, you're going to stop. So maybe that's what they were going for. So, so to this point, 
I'm in a pretty good headspace with this show. Yeah. Mercy kills, Do- Mercy kills Doink. It's got a great Goldust vignette. It's not perfect because the, the audio quality was low because he did whisper a little bit. You can't really hear what he was saying. Very low talking. And then we get this next bit. <laughs> okay. Vincent DiBiase, you're talking at ringside. DiBiase probably remember like, hey, I, I beat him up in the front row of a Saturday's main event once. <laughs> for sending him and his father packing. When all of a sudden, out walks Hog with no music. Oh, boy. <laughs> he, he confronts DiBiase. He's pissed because DiBiase talked about how he, he's, he's not a real corporation member. He's just a hired gun, nothing more. DiBiase has a reason with him. I realize I'm watching Kenny Powers yell at Hans Gruber. <laughs> Look at him. Tell me, tell me you don't see it. No, I, I, I saw the Hans Gruber thing in Ted when you told me about it about a month ago. Uh, the, the Powers one's new to me, and yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> he should he should have the MVP character, Henry Godwin. He could have done the whole Kenny Powers bit years ahead of time. I have been as funny as Danny McBride, but he could have tried. <laughs> so Gruber tries to reason with Powers. Powers starts to throw a bucket of slop on him. After a lot of stalling. After a lot of stalling. (laughs) Hunger begs from his knees. Powers wants him to squeal and then yippee ki yay throw a slop on him. (laughs) I just made the angle better. You made it feel much better. I mean, did you not like the slopping of Hans Gruber then? I imagine that would have been the ending of Die Hard if WWE Films made it. (laughs) Fair. Fair. I just think Ted DiBiase is the is the, the 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 biggest idiot millionaire I've ever known. Like he he builds his roster. Went to space recently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's been competition since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well done to every Amazon worker who helped get Jeff Bezos into space for eleven minutes. Um, and recycle those bottles. <laughs> good lads and lasses. Um, but with um. But with with Ted DiBiase, massive idiot because he's got this. He's got almost you know an unlimited amount of funds. Yet he goes shopping at the bargain bin for for a stable. He you know he puts someone like he gets someone like Henry Godwin on a freelance basis, but he could have easily got anybody better. And then he he's starts a freelance farmer. He's basically a freelance farmer. Shows up one day to tend the fields, and then that's it. Well, that's it. <laughs> You've got to book him for a week. <laughs> <laughs> We need to plow for a week. Can you do that? <laughs> and um, and then he just trashes him on a live mic, on a live commentary, sh- on the live commentary of a wrestling show. Like, and then tries to go, oh, hey, mate, are you all right? <laughs> like, what are you hoping? That he's just not watching the show? Well, you've seen the, uh, you've seen the ratings at this point in 95. <laughs> it was about a 50-50 shot, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you realize that just to keep it canonical here, DBS is a complete idiot, but he outsmarts Cameron Grimes every week. True. So how smart is Cameron Grimes? I think Grimes is therefore near the top of the, the most of the most intelligent millionaires. <laughs> so Burns made him the head B guy. Let's <laughs> get in the way. <laughs> oh, we did bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I make a Simpsons reference, I, I can always, I can always crack Tom. 
<laughs> I just like how beautifully Simpson sits alongside wrestling so often. John, I want Cameron Grimes to be the head B guy. <laughs> Remember, goes to college season five. You know, he he, he, <laughs> he, he how, how to find it. He's there. He's there. <laughs> <clears throat> um, some <throat> some hog news before we go any further from the observer. Ooh. I thought you'd be happy. Hog news. Da 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 da. Big 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 etc. Um. According to David Meltzer, uh, Henry Godwin suffered a, an a sprained ankle playing softball two days before this. Uh, his match at Madison Square Garden with Adam Bomb turned into a 28-second win for Godwin, which has which is compounded Adam Bomb's frustration in the company. And it does play into uh, his, <coughs> his, his, the, the physicality of a match later on tonight featuring Henry Godwin. That isn't the first time that softball season has, has played a role in changing the way he's booking. Why, why, are they, why is it softball that just seems to keep knackering everybody? <laughs> um, but, but between Sid preferring to play over wrestling and the... Uh, uh, that, that's a future true story of how Adam Bomb's career changed with a game of softball. <laughs> there you go. There's a, there's a count it out there. Adam Bomb leaving the company. You see, he should... He should go to AEW and be Tony Khan's bodyguard. And, and see, that way, when um when Tony Khan dispatches him to attack somebody, it's the wrath of Khan. Oh! <laughs> I'll do. Good night, everybody. That's the show. <laughs> well, no, I, I would hope not because this next match we have to discuss. Oh, we certainly do. We certainly do. We've been doing so well, and I want to. I can't. Right, we'll, we'll get into the match. We'll get into the match. I'll, sh I'll shut the f up because I want to ask about this team. Yeah, well, first, I mentioned that Doc Hendricks replaces Ted DiBiase. Well, it's Michael Hayes and a previous and a bad name, baby. I miss DiBiase already. That's I always learn from the Boy Scouts to always be. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I, that, that was funny. I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> that was funny. Did you really dislike Doc Hendricks in this role? He wasn't bad. It was just a, just a voice creates on you after a while. He's a lot, isn't he? <laughs> he is. It's, it's a, lot, a lot to take on. There's some commentators who are like that, where, where it's just you know they're informative. They know what they're talking about. They're good for what the product is, but god damn, they need to. The, take elocution lessons or something yes they do um he is a lot <laughs> well we'll be hearing a lot of him at SummerSlam, so get ready <laughs> so this next match is hey everyone i've been on the go recently phoenix kansas city chicago if you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm not sure how to even describe what will happen in this match. Well, just the opponents. The Spoken Guns are here for a squash. Their opponents are named Bill Garrett and Cody Wade. Now, that's two common enough names and nothing special about that. Well, first off, they have mullets. Well, that's really nothing. Um, 1995. Although one is one is built like a hybrid of Doctor Death and Jeff Cobb, that being Bill Garrett. Yeah, he's 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 just he's a tank. Or more accurately, he's a train. He is. A, they're both trains. I think they have train themed singlets. <laughs> Bill Garrett's the stockier one. It says engine on it. <laughs> Cody Wade's singlet. Says caboose. caboose. <laughs> I'm, I'm just okay. They're like, are they the gravy train? Are they the victory train? Are I've they called the them train in, my, in vain? I've called them in my notes the train gang. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple enough. Come on, ride the train by the Quad City DJs. <laughs> or, Tom, song or, or Thomas the Wank Engine. I can't tell. <laughs> I decide which. Oh God! <laughs> this is so weird because I can't find anything. They have a gimmick. About, they have a gimmick, and it's—they are train people. They're not trains, although. Oh, if they came out as trains, oh, that's money. They're not like—they're not train. They don't work on the trains. They just have train attire, and one has engine, one has caboose. And there's just like this, there's a very deliberate design that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> they called they call the custom gear guy and had matching outfits made with different words. Because, <laughs> so, <laughs> we learned during this match it's going to be Smoking Guns versus Eli and Jacob Blue at SummerSlam. Because apparently they were having good matches at house shows and they wanted to reward that. I'd rather see, once again, Smoking Guns versus the Train Gang at the SummerSlam. I would yeah, rather that, please. They should have built to that match. They should have done. This. Turns, turns out this is awkward hip toss night because this match begins with a few of them. Oh, God. Old, uh, is it Garrett's the uh, Garrett's the beefy boy, isn't he? Yeah. Ga- Garrett is, it's like, Garrett takes a hip toss. Like, it's, it's like when you try and lift a shopping bag that's a bit too heavy over your shoulder. But, but you, mm. you miscalculate how much energy to get it over and it flies the other end and it ends up on the floor again. It was yeah. like a, just a big wet bag of groceries in the floor. When I say Garrett's built like Jeff Cobb, I'm not exaggerating. Corn it's like the, the same car. dimensions. He's like, he's like if, if he's six foot tall, then he's maybe 315 pounds. He, he, he's just very oddly shaped. 
So Cody Wade tags in. He's the caboose half of the team. <laughs> he turns to Billy Gunn and proceeds to jiggle his butt cheeks at him using his hands because he's the caboose, you see. Um, now, uh, now to, you realize, to which Billy Gunn went, hmm, yep. a gimmick yeah. based on your bottom, hey? Yes, yes, the light bulb went above his head at that point. <laughs> you realize this was a seminal match in WWF history. <laughs> we, we, we didn't even know. We had no idea what we were up against coming into this. <laughs> Billy so, going backstage. So your gimmick is that you like your bum. Yeah. Hmm, so on. the guns have had go, enough of this on. crap, and they just take Cody away to fish with the sidewinder quickly. And that was the whole match. And I'm just. Can I mention from this match, Bill Garrett, when he <laughs> when he was in the match at one point, I think it's Billy Gunn. He swings for him. <laughs> Garrett does this does this dive out of the way where it, lo- it looks like somebody turns gravity on in a different direction because he just kind of goes flying off to the one side of the ring in a really weird, like he's been pulled that way by magnets. And then he lands and tags in old cab- tags in caboose. And- the caboose weed. <laughs> The rest is history, but if you watch any part of this match, uh, Garrett's dive for the hot tag is—it's so weird. It's like he just—it's like just gravity breaks for a moment, like the physics in GTA Five just break <laughs> for a moment. He's Ryan Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this match was there was a lot to take in here. Jeff can't. <laughs> <laughs> The most, the most normal person in this match is Bart Gunn. That's a worry, isn't it? <laughs> Bart is the most average. We go to the report card segment, and I'm, I'm hoping they, I'm hoping the Dean grades Garrett and Wade's outfits. <laughs> T for train. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he goes in a different direction. Different, different look for for old Dean this week. Yeah, he inherited IRS's suspenders because yeah. only one guy could have suspenders at a time. IRS now gone, by the way. A little bit of wrestling news since IRS has now left. Tony Guerrilla has his job back as road agent. I do hope he'll sub himself in for matches on the house show circuit when someone doesn't turn up. <laughs> well, he's only like 50-something at this point. He's fine. He's a spring chicken. Get in there, Tony. It's like in the NFL when they have a 53-man roster and, and, and they have to like... Somebody gets hurt, so you got to bring somebody up and they bring the guy up and... You see, like a guy gets gets cut and released like like ten times during a season. He's the fifty third man, and so like that's Tony Curry is the fifty third man. It's like like oh we're gonna we're gonna bring in uh, Alex Wright. All right, Curry is gone. Up, oh, uh, you know, comma quit. All right, bring Curry back. <laughs> Who's just, the fifty third man? I don't think Marty Janay was hired and fired as many times as some football players. <laughs> So this first report card with suspender wearing Douglas. The word is execution. And we're going to talk about Bret Hart. For some reason, he calls Bret a coward for going to the middle rope. Because his opponent is prone while Bret gets a, a higher position of leverage, I guess. Then he criticizes Bret for not hooking the leg. What is he grew? He does he does somewhere like a freaking gorilla monster and is smiling and nodding at this gimmick. <laughs> I think Gorilla wrote this script. And then he goes and admonishes the referee, Tim White, for not giving for not counting the three. So basically, this actually makes sense. He's criticizing him for his poor wrestling acumen. And he, he's making some valid points here, except for the top middle rope thing. 
The best wrestlers just... are are the heels that are telling the truth. Yeah, and then he gives Brett an F for four out of ten. I'm no, so sorry. He gives him an F for foundation of failure. Oh, the alliteration. Do you reckon the the, the mention of foundation was uh, a happy coincidence? It couldn't have been a coincidence. Mm, I hope so. I hope it was. In wrestling, there are no coincidences. (laughs) You think that he had caboose on his bottom without any need for a train gimmick? That is not a coincidence. (laughs) Caboose. (laughs) I hope they come back. I may. I'm gutted because according to every according to every single website that I went to, and believe me, I went to a lot in this hour. Um, I can't find any other match that they've done. So, so you're saying they're like a one-time divine godsend? This just, I feel like, I feel like they just burst into existence and have <laughs> just gone again like that. I feel like they were, I feel like they were a variant that was, that was captured on, on television and, and, and then snubbed out. <laughs> it's like a phenomenon. Yeah. I don't even know whether we've seen them. Maybe it was an optical illusion. Maybe, maybe, Maybe you'll watch this show after us and go, what the hell were, are they even talking about? It was Smoking Guns versus Hardy and Gill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw it and I saw it, so I know, I know at least I'm kind of not nuts. I think we did. I think I definitely <laughs> saw two men with a train gimmick, but wasn't a train gimmick. I look forward to that future Desert Island grab for you flying these two. Mate, I would do... Oh, I would love that. I just... I want it right. In the, in the unlikely event... That Bill Garrett or Cody Wade or friends or family of them listen to this nonsense. Please, please reach out. I, I, I want to talk to them. I, want, I need to know more. I want to know the origin of this gimmick, what they were hoping to do, where it, what could have been. I want to know it all. I want to know it all. Please get in touch. Well, Thank you. I can only assume that they're both New England guys since they're local talents. Yeah. So I can assume that age trainers from Massachusetts was actually a tribute to these two. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe as a kid he watched them and went, when I grow up, I want a, a, a vague train wrestling gimmick. Pretty sure age was an adult by this point. <laughs> <laughs> he was just—he was 10, but still as hairy. <laughs> and, and he was six foot seven. <laughs> he was hanging out with his brother, Ice. <laughs> I'm Adam Pacitti from Coltaholic.com and here are your ten favorite vague train related gimmicks. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Mm. Uh, Cody Wade, Bill Garrett, A train, Ice Train. Um The Dixie Train. The Dixie Train. <laughs> the Tamina um, Train. Tamina Train, I think. Tamina Thanks, Train. Ross. Thank you, Ross. Um, um uh, A train, ice train. Um uh, Okay, we've got seven. We've got seven vague train related gimmicks. There must uh, be more. There must she, be more. Trainer from the of Attitude the video game. <laughs> A trainer. <laughs> that counts. Yeah, we'll stick them in. We'll stick them in. Um Black train, gold dust. The hoe train. The hoe train. The hoe train. Yes, Godfather's hoe train. Um, um, Rock and Roll Express. Orient Express. Midnight Express. Midnight Express. (laughs) Um, there's gotta be something. That's ten. Fine. 
All the express teams. All the express teams. Yes, there is at least 10. At least 10. There is an indie team in the UK called the Rock and Coal Express. They count as well. There's at least 10. At least 10 vague train gimmicks in wrestling. <laughs> Amazing. What a day. <laughs> what a day. What is this show? It's the this is, hey, this, the podcast or Raw. I'll tell you what this show is, Justin. It's free. It's That's true. free. If you were paying for this, you can complain. You have no room to complain if you listen to this. It's free. We go to the arena where Sean cuts a promo from backstage on the video wall. They play it live so they can hear the crowd reaction, and they do cheer for him. Yeah. Calls Lawler Kingfish, calls Mabel Humpty Dumpty, does the whole all the King's horses spiel, and ends with Andrew Dice Clay's, Oh! <laughs> I don't think so. This is good Sean. This is Sean and good Dickery, fun. dickery, die. No, Sean can't do that in front of this crowd. Sean <laughs> in good form here. Yeah, Sean's definitely um, not his best stuff because he smarmy heel. Sean's better than you know. Ain't I a stinker, baby face, Sean? Yeah, which is what it is. It's true. It's he's better as he's he'll always be better as a heel in this particular era as a, than a face. But I think he's doing his thing well. I think he's 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 very much a, he's, the company are desperate for somebody they can they can get people behind. And I think Sean's going to be that guy. I think Vince knows it now as well. Yeah. There, it, it was actually the week before this, that Vince, or, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, before this, that Vince called Brett to tell him he was getting the belt with Survivor Series and Diesel and asked him if he had any problem losing to Sean at WrestleMania. So that plan's already in motion. So he already knows. He knows. He knows that Sean's the way forward. Sean is the future. Next week, and as you get, it's Taker versus the Tonka in an attempt to sell more Royal Rumble video games <laughs> from, a, from two years earlier. Apparently, this match, far better than it should have been. Well, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> That's what Dave says. We'll find out next week, though. Wait, how would he know? He, he, flew, he flew to Massachusetts for this? <laughs> apparently, apparently, he did. Apparently, <laughs> he did. I went to um, you know, a Patriots preseason game. It's um, it's not regular season because you know it's um, still uh, it's still um, you know, it's still August, which means you know the regular season doesn't begin until um, you know, a, a sep- September. Yes, September. Um, I've had a really <laughs> tough week. Um, I knew about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan ages ago, long before you. So shut up. <laughs> CM Punk at this point, I think, is still in high school. But yeah, I know one day he's gonna go to this um, company run by this son of an automotive billionaire who's uh, still in school himself. Um, I, I really feel for Dave this week. I really feel for Dave this week. I feel like Dave Meltz has become a bit unravelled this week. Uh, just, just because, and 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 just because the the CM Punk Daniel Bryan stuff has come from other sources, and then I just in the Observer where Dave was going, yeah, well, we we knew this was happening anyway. <laughs> like Dave, it's all right for someone else to get it before you. It's good, man. You're good. You're good. No, but he I, credits, I knew he credits people all the time. <laughs> he credits people all the time. He does. He does. But it was just, I just, I, I, I enjoyed the wording that he used. It was like, yeah, we've known about it for ages. Okay, it's cool, mate. It's cool. It's cool. It's all good. God love, that? God love, and God preserve Dave Meltzer. Indeed. And speaking of preserve, this next match <laughs> could have taken place in either two thousand one or two thousand eight, or other years, in fact. 
Triple H versus Jeff Hardy. Duh. In- 1990 freaking five. This is, this was a, you, you messaged me before I watched this and said, Hunter versus Jeff on this show. I'm like, oh, no way. That's exciting. It's, it's the guy who runs NXT versus the guy who should be NXT champion right now. <laughs> the linear NXT champion in Jeff Hardy, <laughs> who, who is currently off the event circuit, uh, tested positive for COVID over the weekend. Um, so well, no, time, no Jeff. For I'm sorry, man. Man, we cut you off there, but that's right. But so by the time the show comes out, then carrying Cross will have had to do something else on a roll. <laughs> He'll have to lose to another person. Yeah, who, who's, who's in catering? Uh, <laughs> see, Otis is SmackDown. Cedric, who's on a roll Get anymore? <laughs> Cedric, I guess it's gonna be Cedric. Everybody just beats Carrying Cross for the next six months. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he can, he can join Bear Country in AEW and be gay. Become cross the bear. <laughs> he could join so. the body donors. He could be Skip, and he could be Chip on his shoulder. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's Triple H versus Jeff Hardy, and I'm pretty sure this is the only Triple H Jeff Hardy match in which Vince, in which Vince McMahon has plugged stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think so. <laughs> but watching No Mercy 2008, it turns out. <laughs> they were promoting WWE Stop or My Mom Will Shoot next month. <laughs> stop, or, stop or My Mom Will Shoot Hard on the following. <laughs> stop or My Mom Will Work Sh- Herself Into a Shoot. My Mom Shoots on, see, Shuffleboard. Um, <laughs> inconsistent bus schedules. <laughs> Sewing circles and so forth. Oh no! It's the it's the movie. It's it's the movie whereby uh, a wrestler is in the back of the car telling real stories about the wrestling world, and if he stops telling those stories, then uh, his friend's parent will pull over, and the film is called "Shoot or My Mum Will Stop." <laughs> I've got a sweat on coming up with that. <laughs> you look so proud of yourself. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. It's got hot in here all of a sudden. <laughs> you got it out. It's okay. <laughs> I'm glad I got my second my second COVID vaccine. I think I, yeah, yeah, that that might be it might be a side effect of that, or it could just be that was a very hot take. <laughs> so we we get some good wrestling here. We best did. wrestling on the show so far. It's a great match. This good short match here. Jeff gets a good arm drag. The first good one of the show. Someone had to eventually get a good arm drag in. A nice little back and forth here. Jeff hits a Judas effect. (laughs) And then he he goes in 1995 for whisper in the wind, but misses. And the crowd oohed at that. Like, like, what the hell is he trying to do? He did the step up and flipped over and called nothing. We get an AOL plug during this match, which is appropriate given both men's ages today. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter takes his customary bow, but not facing the hard camera. Oh, Hunter, they penalize you for that. Oh, he's in trouble now. He's in trouble now. Pedigree finishes. We learn it's going to be Hunter versus Bob Holly at SummerSlam in the vaunted Holly Hunter match. Winner gets a piano. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we're getting Triple H versus Jeff Hardy to build up to Triple H versus Bob Holly? The yes. universe seems crooked. It's a bit of skew. Um, Vince McMahon during this match 
plugging America online. Quote, if you have a computer, you can call that number on the screen and be online. He then announces that next week he will be doing an AOL chat. Which I have the transcript of. Have you read any of it? I've read all of it several times. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's the best. I can't wait to share it with you. We're, we're going to act out during SummerSlam, during Taker versus Kama. We are indeed. We've got it. We, we, you are going to hear the AOL chat of Vince versus the universe. During- A dramatic reading. <laughs> can't wait. Very excited. Also, I've put here really lovely, neat pedigree for the finish. Yes, Hunter, uh, Hunter delivers it well, and Jeff Hardy, well, he can bump. Do you know, Justin Henry, Wrestling Almanac, uh, the next time Triple H and Jeff Hardy go one-on-one? Will it be the Intercontinental title match in 2001? It is indeed, mate. April the 10th on SmackDown. That's the one. Try to explain that to someone in 95. That's how the future would go. <laughs> no, the thing is, right, you, you, you explain that, and they go, oh, wow, Triple H just stays in the Intercontinental division. Fair play to Jeff Hardy for climbing up there, though. <laughs> Get the SummerSlam insider. Todd wearing another suit. Apparently it's mandatory now. He's changed. Diesel versus Mabel. Sean versus Razor. Brett versus Yankum. Todd tells us that Yankum is preparing his Novocaine. <laughs> why, doesn't that stave off pain? Yeah, why would he be preparing it? I mean, no Novocaine. He just put the drill right in his friggin' mouth and Un- just... Unless he's going to give himself Novocaine to stop himself being uh, hurt during the match. What is, he, what is he, Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet? <laughs> he carries around the... the... <laughs> <laughs> just constantly popping himself with Novocaine. <laughs> Brett looks up for mercy. Don't fucking look at me. <laughs> actually, I'd, I'd watch that match. <laughs> I would as well, actually. <laughs> Kane in Blue Velvet. <laughs> John! <laughs> I want a blue velvet see no evil hybrid movie now. <laughs> From the insanity of David Lynch and the even deeper insanity of Vince McMahon, we, we bring it to you. My God, that sounds awful and amazing at the same time. It's a, it's a hot mess of an idea that is it's a, it's it's a, it's a hot mess there was something that that I spotted in the in the uh, in the work chat to do with a Vince McMahon TV series oh that, yes that is in gonna the be, they're doing a scripted series based on the steroid trial that's the one that's the one i'm i'm fascinated by this who would you get to play vince mcmahon um my first choice would have been ray Liotta. oh nice because he he could, he could play any insane character. I like. And that, he's kind of he's kind of well built, so maybe Lee F. Schreiber. Ooh, I was gonna say Alec Baldwin. But I feel like I'm in the wrong ballpark. Alec Baldwin could be, but he's. Oh, I just never really care for Alec Baldwin. That's, comes off a little phony. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So I don't really think of him when it comes to his roles. Uh, I mean, age isn't an issue. I, I mean, they did the near playing. Uh, you know, young Frank Sheeran in uh in the Irishman and playing old thanks to CGI. That's so funny when they do that when they get an old actor and get him playing the young one. It's very strange. Yeah. Very I'm watching young Pesci and young De Niro talking in a movie in 2019. <laughs> Makes me uneasy. 
if you've never seen The Irishman, it's worth three and a half hours of your time just to see Ray Romano play a slimy lawyer. I think we've mentioned we've we, we mentioned The Irishman. I think uh, once a month. I think because it's I, and it's I, a great movie. No, I agree. I've not seen it yet. I feel like I feel like if if I don't get around to seeing it by Christmas, we'll do it as a watch along presentation for, for three and a half hours. Of it, I'm down. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. I'll uh, I'll get the Novocaine in. <laughs> I'll do any Scorsese movie. I don't care. <laughs> nice. Cultaholic it's, classic Scorsese review. Watch Casino. I'll say every line in sync with the movie. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> I've only seen it six hundred thousand times. Like a table reading of Casino. Cheaters <laughs> justice. Anyway. <laughs> so, Brett versus Novocaine riddled Yankum. Uh, Blaze versus Bertha favorite women's title. We get footage of a four-month-old attack to build this matchup. See, you don't need to do it every week. You just do it once in a while. I mean, there's, there is, there's, you know, keeping something simmering, and then there's turning the hob off completely, and then trying to reheat <laughs> it in the microwave. <laughs> this is this is the baloney behind the radiator match. <laughs> it might be edible. Let's find out. Let's just give it a sniff. Oh, yeah, it smells all right. There's a green bit on the end. I'll just cut that off. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changed color, so I assumed that was fine. <laughs> I said, "Look, just just check on me in twelve hours." <laughs> <laughs> You're on the floor. Blah, 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 just speaking in tongues. I still need to go to the toilet. Then something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> I want to be alone with the sandwich. You're going to eat it, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sandwich is the Alundra Blaze Birth of Faith. <laughs> It didn't have mushrooms on it when it started, but now it does. <laughs> Taker versus Kama casket match. Harwich versus Skip. Harwich Harwich has a pocket protector and nerdy glasses in his photo. <laughs> yes. I love him. I love him so much. His gimmick is that he works for NASA. <laughs> Which is where Bob Holly's spaceman was going to come from. Oh, he was going to be a spaceman, wasn't he? Eventually, in 2006. <laughs> it's a shame that never came to pass. God, Damn it all. We learned that Harwood survived a 10-minute challenge this weekend where, where Skip couldn't beat him in 10 minutes. And then Todd tells us, can you believe it? Harwood's is on a pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, because the roster's so thin. We have to turn enhancement talent into regular wrestlers. What a weird no thing to Barry say. Harwitz, mind you. I know, but what a weird thing to say, though. To be like, I can't believe... Harwitz is on pay-per-view. You're going to pay to watch this guy. <laughs> What's next? Reno Riggins, Brooklyn Brawler? Well, depends how many more cuts there are in the, the next few months. The train gang? One can only hope. One can only hope the train gang gets there. You're too. thin on teams. I'm livid. You're thin on, on, on strong teams. You've got a tag team. like You've got an oven-ready tag team there. <laughs> You're choosing just to give them the one run out and then let them go. Yeah. They ran the train once and then never again. The, the line, the line is closed. <laughs> we got Kid versus Hakushi and attempt to add a second great match to this show, which I approve of. Mm -hmm. No mentions of Guns versus Blues or Triple H versus Holly, so I can only assume that this was recorded over over the weekend and they added those two matches, like maybe the day of or something. Yeah, very late into the uh, into the proceedings. No tag title match on the show. No Owen and Yoko. Yeah, I thought they might have got given them a little run out. Well, I, I think they're supposed to face the Allied Powers originally. But now it's supposed to be where something on next week's show happens that was supposed to happen at SummerSlam, which we'll, we'll get to that. But mm. but there was a story at this time that morale was down because payoffs were down. So the Guns versus Blue and 
a Blue Twins match was added to the show because they're working so hard on house shows and they wanted to reward that to kind of boost some mid cards and give them a big pay, big pay per view payoff. I thought you were joking earlier when you said that. No, <laughs> they were. They're apparently having solid or fun matches on house shows and decided to reward that. So, oh wow, like, well, someone from the mid cards getting a a boost here. Oh blimey! So, I can see the logic of what they did, but it didn't really help the show much. No. We get the plug for the WrestleMania special, the first first ever, in fact. Bigelow, this is, we get a little LT and Bigelow football helmet, and they collide. That was kind of a nice touch. I like that. That's nice. It's cute. Check your local listings. It was, a, it was 10 o'clock on a Saturday in September on Fox. <laughs> which Vince thought was going to leverage the way back into having Saturday's main event again, but no. was that Was that what it was? It was like a little, uh, as a way of making a little bit of leeway with the pay-per-view company by just sort of dusting off WrestleMania 11 and going, give that another run out. Yeah, just a little something, something. Give us some Saturday night main events, you coward. They would revisit it about 15 years later with, with NBC specials on Sarah Sarah's and like then you know, WrestleMania the special. Yeah, and that and, that, and you know what that worked out quite well because now the WWE network lives on Peacock. So that obviously had uh, a strong effect on them. When the matches actually should show up. Yeah. But when the, when the darn thing actually works. When they're unencumbered by technical issues. Shocking. Henry Godwin versus their old friend Ross Greenberg. 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 A battle of a wrestler with my <laughs> with my last name and a wrestler with my middle name. It's like they knew you were watching. Mm-hmm. Which, which way Justin Hawk Bradshaw came in later. <laughs> so this yeah, is this so, is deliberately short for the aforementioned reason that Godwin is suffered suffered a, a sprained ankle two days mm-hmm. before this. Well, I thought they were just squashing Greenberg because they're trying to build up carry on hog. <laughs> I mean, there's a bit of that too, but I have a mm-hmm. feeling it might have been a bit more competitive had uh, hog been in, ha- have had hog had two working wheels. Fall and hay. Fall and hay. <laughs> there were two breaks between Henry Gowan's entrance starting and the match beginning. <laughs> this is an oddly structured show. Slop drop finishes in under a minute. God bless the one cheering WAAF fan in the front row. Who's, 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 who's trying to make fetch happen? I'm still thinking of falling hay. <laughs> falling you hay. cannot endure. The end falling is hay. Simba <laughs> um, says Scarlet be Scarlet O'Hara because you got to go to the south. Hey, <laughs> John, carrying hog. <laughs> Greenberg gets then gets slopped after the match. Vince thinks it's funny now because now he's a baby face. Ha ha ha! I see the mercy in it now. Ha ha ha! Now you're a good guy. This is hilarious. Not sure can't come fast enough. <laughs> About four weeks to go, fella. <laughs> Vince's been getting away with this for too long. It's time to put a stop to it. <laughs> Get another Yankum vignette. Why do people go to him if he's such a sadist? Yeah, I would just change dentists. I know. It's... That's what I do. I go to a different dentist. I mean, there's got to be more than one. You just go on Yelp, see who has good reviews. Woman in the chair complains of pain. So Yanka takes the Novocaine needle and just jams it right in her mouth. There's a cutaway yeah, here. Yeah, they cut Women's... away, which is like, uh, like, it must have been bad if they cut away. Either, either it looked bad or they're just trying to add a little bit of drama to it, but 
it actually it actually did make it more uh disturbing. This is probably the most disturbing Yankum vignette yet. Yeah, this feels like the most sinister one they've done, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. The Yankum is just a goddamn psychopath. He's good though, isn't he? <laughs> I'm 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 quite liking him. Well, speaking of things the psychopaths do, before we get to Sean and Lawler, we have to discuss <laughs> the best bit of promoting a product <laughs> that perhaps this company has ever done. <laughs> and I can make fun of this because I had some of these. Oh, so did I, mate. It's fine. <laughs> Barry the Dud is backstage. <laughs> Barry the Dud. Poor guy. Where he finds the one, two, three kid and Savio Vega playing what what appears to be pogs but are actually mat caps because pog is a is a is a trademarked name so they can't call yes, them it pogs. Is. now for you youngins out there who have no idea what in the hell we're talking about because this was a very short-lived fad pogs was this game where you took these little cardboard milk caps they called them it would, it would usually have a have a depiction of like a logo or something from tv shows sports movies whatever you liked cartoons, you would stack them up on this little board, and you would take this little thing called a slammer. This little hardened either plastic or metal sort of disc, and you'd slam it down on the pile, see how many you could flip over. Once you flipped over, you kept. You kept going until the whole pile was done, whoever had the most won. It was like marbles, but more complex. That's it, and and every, and this was a, this was a, a a fad worldwide. Everybody was playing different versions of these at this time. So in I was five. Yes, I was six. Hell no. Oh no! It it dropped off the face of the earth in '96. But it, this it was just fun to watch the WWF guys so in, so invested. It felt like they were. It was who was it backstage? Was it it was Savio Vega and Kid and One Two Three Kid, and it was like they nicked Barry Dudinsky's. Uh, Mad caps, and he was like, "Guys, <laughs> I need them to take to the front." And they're like, "Hey, shut up, dude! We're playing with them. <laughs> we'll give them back when we're done." <laughs> <laughs> you put a DQ in a freaking Mad Caps match. <laughs> I'm Razor's ride to the hotel. I got, I got to kill time while he died before he has his match. <laughs> so. Did you have WWF Madcaps? I bought some at the Ocean City, New Jersey boardwalk in the summer of '95. I like how you know specifically where you got them from. I remember that. I remember that night because I was I was actually excited to have them. <laughs> I was 11 and had, and hadn't experienced the internet yet. <laughs> so Barry Dudinsky says what may be the most asinine thing that I've ever heard on any wrestling broadcast, and that covers a lot of ground. Okay. This is what he said verbatim. <clears throat> the only thing hotter than the Matt Caps themselves is an uncut sheet of Matt Caps. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is crying right now. <laughs> you know what's better than Matt Caps? When they're still on the sheet. <laughs> oh, ba- do you know what? I'm... I'm not even mad at the dud. Like, the guy's there to sell. He's there to sell shit. And he's doing his best with the tools he's given. If Barry Dudinsky were a character on Sesame Street, the kids would beat him up. Oh, he'd get battered. He'd get battered. (laughs) He'd get thrown in the Oscar's trash can and then Oscar would finish him off. (laughs) 
<laughs> he just get battered. Bless him. <laughs> Bless him. Bless the dud. He's doing everything he can. He's if Brian Alvarez reviewed these shows, the word geek would be used at least 20 times per oh, Barry segment. God, poor Barry. Is he Can he with... look like any bigger of a geek? Is he still with us, Dodinsky? Yeah, he actually became a poker player, I believe. Oh, you got the dud! <laughs> <laughs> Doing that creepy long smile <laughs> they do in the YouTube video. <laughs> Every time he gets uh, hard, he gets I was doing it for hard. you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. I know. I watched him seven million times. I know how it's done. <laughs> Stand up for yourself, Poindexter. <laughs> so, as 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 Kid and Savio are slam, are slamming these mat caps, not at all pogs. You nope. get the neoprene basic that they, they play on. Oh, this is like. <laughs> like getting two chihuahuas for the price of one. <laughs> but you also get a three-month magazine subscription. What a what a treat. I mean, the magazine's quite good. The magazine is good at this point. I mean, <laughs> as a kid, I, I'd been happy having all this stuff. I'm not going to lie. If I was that age. But look back at it now, it's just like, kind of didn't take much to entertain us. We were very, we were simple creatures back then, mate, in the 90s. Like, life was simple. You kids and your Nintendo Switches. Your Switches and your Twitters and your, <laughs> and your Candy Crushes. And your Ticker Talkers. You, tick, you, you, you come over here with your goddamn Ticker Talkers. And your Farmvilles. You, <laughs> come over here with your goddamn Beebos and your, <laughs> and your Froggers. Hey, that was our thing. Coming over here with your goddamn Final Fantasy VIII's. Even your Millipedes. <laughs> Coming over here with your goddamn Pikmin. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Dave, video games cost a quarter of the play. And if you lost, you had to put another quarter in. As was the style at the time. <laughs> so I put an onion in the machine. <laughs> Tom may be um, in this place for five minutes while you, while you last the thought about putting an onion into an arcade game. Hmm. <laughs> Great, you've ruined Gattaca. Thanks. <laughs> Just onions appearing in Gallagher. What's going on? <laughs> I didn't think Shawn... that would happen. <laughs> oh. Shawn Michaels versus Jerry Lawler in our main event. Main event o'clock. Match. Yeah. And Doc's applying Stridex and dances to Shawn's theme. Because <laughs> he's apparently a teenage girl. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if, if Doc Henderson's commentary was an influence on Pat McAfee in any way. <laughs> I think it might have been. Because he's into everything. He is, isn't he? He's a, he's a big purveyor of all things. <laughs> like, you can't fire me if I'm trying. <laughs> you can't <laughs> fire me if I'm trying. Oh, bless Pat. I like Pat. Vince gushes over Sean in a way that only Vince can. Uh, match begins. Lawler throws punches, which are always welcome because Lawler has the best punches in wrestling. As expected, Sean clowns him for a bit. It kind of feels like a house show match. Mm. So Sean having fun, Lawler playing the fool. It's all good. And then we get an amazing moment. Not that this match was, wasn't solid, but this, this moment is truly amazing. Lawler goes for his pile driver. And Sean has a counter to it that I've never really seen before. Usually you just backdrop your way out, or you push off the thighs in order to escape the clutches. Sean goes up for the pile driver. On the way down, he puts his hand down and does like a handstand 
so that his head doesn't hit. Then he lands on his feet and attacks. How has no one done that since? Especially with so many agile wrestlers like Ricochet it's and amazing. Phoenix. And it's it's it, it, I mean it looks it's probably more complex than it looks, but I'll bet so many guys could do that with ease. Yeah, that looks so good. Sean's very, oh, he's just he's he's the guy I need at this point. He's, he's one of the best in ring wrestlers ever. Just the guy. Just, just the guy. Got a complex legacy, but his in ring was always top notch. So while all the fun's going on, here comes Sid. Comes out, grabs the Intercontinental belt. Looks at him and thinks, God, one day there's going to be seven straight WrestleMania's where this, where this isn't even defended. <laughs> that's, that's what he thought. <laughs> Lola gets a, a DD Boy Smith delayed suplex at one point, which surprised the hell out of me. Because <laughs> Lola's not really a moves guy. He's, he's just a work on the, you, you know, just work the crowd kind of guy. Maybe, maybe he if felt it, like Shawn Michaels was one of those guys he could bust a move out with. Perhaps gets a DDT at one point. Then Lawler goes for a top rope splash and misses. Jerry Lawler, at this point, age 45, I believe, went for a super fly goddamn splash. <laughs> he surprised me in this one. Like, he was he was giving it some socks against Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Lawler is inspired. Shawn fires up. He hits his usual. Gets sweet she music in which Lawler flies back about ten feet off of it. Not a simple fall down stuff, but I mean like like he he been just punched like in like a karate movie, and then when the kill goes flies backwards <laughs> in, in slow motion. It was great, but instead attacks for the DQ. Uh now that the, there was a, a short bit with Jerry Lawler where he, he leans back for a punch and goes, "Hey, how about this for a whopper?" That was a nice little line from from Lawler mm-hmm. in that match that. Lawler was always good at just injecting that that, that that sort of stuff in a match. He was very, very like, good. It's why to this day he can have a match at age seventy, and it's probably still enjoyable because he just he just knows all the little tricks. So Sid's kicking Sean's ass for a bit, choke slams him. He's, he's here for the power bomb. Out comes Razor to make the save, but then Razor stops Sean from super kicking Sid because he wants Sid himself. He goes for the edge on Sid, but then Lawler saves Sid. There's some weird unions going on here. How amazing was it to see Razor Ramon pick up Sid for the Razor's oh. Edge? That looks so good. Razor's a strong boy. Yeah, big strong boy. Yes, he's a. I mean, I mean Sid cooperated obviously, but Razor still they had to, he had to hurt him up, and get him into that position. He had to. He really had to. Um, so we, we get some Razor Sean sit over, or Razor Sean tension over the belt. They're, they're doing the sort of half-ass tug of war, which is still better than the Brock Roman one. Yeah. Razor pulls the belt away. A little bit of pan mine between friendly rivals. Razor goes to hand it back, but then drops it in the sort of condescending fashion, like you pick it up. Diesel runs in to play peacemaker, not the John Cena peacemaker. Razor Sean have have more friction. Show that's your show. I, you know what? Not a bad episode of Raw. No, this this was mostly fun. There was lots to be lots to be cheerful about in here. Lots to be cheerful about. I thought um, Wayland Mercy wiping out Doink the Clown was good times. <laughs> Gold Dust is going to change the game. We don't quite know it yet. And like you said, like oh, Hunter Helsley, Jeff Hardy, match of the night. Mm-hmm. If there is a match of the night, it's that one. And uh, Michaels and Lawler give us a, a decent little house show esque main event. Yeah, this was definitely. It fed off the energy of a, of, of a live Massachusetts crowd. Any, anything with Hog was death. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was there as well. <laughs> no offense to him, it's not his, not his fault. It's just the way it's all set up. It's, it's, it's very hackneyed mid nineties WWF. But yeah, like a promising show heading towards SummerSlam. How far are we from SummerSlam now? We have one more Raw and then it's SummerSlam. One more Raw next week. The Raw Go Home for SummerSlam is next week. And we'll talk a little bit about the watch along for SummerSlam and next week. And until we are next together, he is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Coltaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Give us more of the train gang, you cowards. Love you. Bye. Train Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.